0: afford it anymore, couldn't make their mortgage payments, had to sell their houses and move to the cities and start taking factory jobs.
1: You got now, the timeline a little wrong there. The government started subsidizing the farms and then the dust bowl happened, which was oh, very convenient.
0: Yes, <laughs> yes, that was I was going to that next. See, the government says that they saved all the farmers by being able to pay farmers extra money, but what happened was also what happened in 1933 and I'm sure this was unrelated about 6 months before the dust bowl is the Department of Agriculture was given authority to start subsidizing farming in the United (laughs) States. And just so happened that six months later, all the topsoil blew away over the course of the next six years, put every small farmer out of business and turned it all into corporate farming. And that is the official story of what happened. It's crazy how big the scam is wow
1: and also the main journalist covering the dust bowl happened to work for the department of agriculture too <laughs>
0: yeah the the <laughs> famous photographers and journalists covering it were all on department of agriculture payroll wow amazing. <laughs> amazing and it's like stuff like that where it's like okay so now i don't trust the government at all i mean i really anyways i've always been that guy at least but I didn't realize how crazy the lies they told were until when we started the show, honestly.
2: Well, you know, you speak to an important point and the fact that, you know, we didn't become flat earthers because we needed more friends or less friends. The, the social implications weren't the leading driver, right? I mean, we started looking no. into other things like the heliocentric model, like NASA for you. And you're like, you know, what... Why would I be trusting this stuff if it's totally illogical? And and what that does, is it frees you up to, like we said, hey, this is speculation and we're speculating on something because we've proven the other stuff wrong or the other stuff, at least in our mind, has been proven wrong because, you know, the evidence is the evidence. You know, you see a number six on the ground and I'm going to say it's a six, but the person standing on the other side of it is going to say it's a nine. I'm going to see a fossil and I'm going to say, see, that was laid down and at, all at one time during Noah's flood and then the evolutionist on the other side is going to say, no, that's millions of years of non-catastrophic processes. We're going to evaluate the evidence differently, but the evidence is the same for both of us. We're just going to take our worldview and apply that evidence to our worldview and find a place for it to fit. So when when we now remove the mainstream narrative like NASA, for example, or you know the Dust Bowl narrative, we now have the right, in my opinion, to speculate. And yeah, we might sound like a bunch of kooks, but it it has, you know, in our defense, it's taken us a while to get here. We didn't just start three days ago, you know, and now we think the, you know, the royal family are reptilians. No, it took us a while to get there. So Yeah. That's when you said that that, like (laughs) Yeah, maybe. I (laughs) I know they boil babies, that's
0: for sure. (laughs) (laughs) The uh the uh what was I gonna say? The um oh when you said at the beginning of the show like you're like yeah, Fox News, this is my place. This is where the good news is. I was the same way. I was one. I was definitely like the boomer Republican being like, we got to turn the Middle East into a parking lot because <laughs> the Muslims are trying to take our freedom. Let's we'll start, gla- yeah! we'll start.
2: We'll start a glass factory, baby. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. I was 100% that guy. And now I look back, I'm like, Jesus Christ. Oh, What's wrong with me? <laughs>
2: if if you told me you didn't believe the mainstream narrative of uh, 9-11, I'd say you were un-American. W would never do that. I, yeah, I Not was in w. college, first year of
0: college, <laughs> and it was all like, you know, college, first year of college, everyone's liberal there. Yep. So they're all watching, like, the Michael Moore, and uh, the Fahrenheit 9-11 documentary, and I'm the guy there being like, "All oh, these goddamn retards just watching this stupid bullshit. <laughs> Obviously, it was just a bunch of
2: cavemen,
0: the hater of freedom that hijacked a bunch of planes with box cutters yeah, like and
2: left their passport on the <laughs> you know street in New York somehow. Yeah, he
0: he he <laughs> flew it out, he threw it
2: out the window right, right before they
0: crashed.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so, so, Matt, how did you become like in, I'll say evangelist for Flat Earth and a bunch of these other conspiracies? So you went from you know learning more about them, investigating yourself, becoming more confident in those understandings and beliefs. How does that, you go from that, from doing, you know, podcast and speaking and coming on, coming on this show and uh, you know, talking about the good word of flatter.
2: Sure. So when I was first looking into the age of the earth and evolution, I felt like one day God kind of laid it on my heart to go out and talk about that stuff. And I, I never did. I never put anything together. I mean, I, I put a lot of stuff together, but i never published anything. I never, um, you know, tried to get speaking gigs or anything like that. And I really felt like God will, he'll give you these opportunities and you're either going to take it or he's going to find someone else to do it. And I really felt like I dropped the ball at that time. And then a couple of years later, Flat Earth comes around and I'm sitting on the floor when I'm watching this YouTube video and it just hits me in the chest like a bolt of lightning. And I knew that I was going to be obsessed with this. And I knew it was a supernatural obsession. And I felt like, you know what? I, I think God wants me to go out and, and spread this word because uh, from a Christian perspective, it's, it's, an, amazing, it's an amazing culture because it's, it's one of the few cultures out there in the world where the, the Christian narrative is getting help from non-Christians. Like there we're have non-Christians in this movement who are helping prove the biblical account, which is amazing. I can't really think of much else in the world like that. So it was it was a it was a crazy movement. And then, you know, it was the first time also when I I found myself in the rabbit hole. And then I really felt like I was I was giving a lot of these people that I was listening to on YouTube. I was giving them a lot of credit and I was I was taking a lot of what they said as truth. And so I decided, you know what, I want to meet a couple of these guys. So I found a conference down in Austin where a couple of guys were speaking. One was Robbie Davidson, one was Rob Skiba. And I went down there and I met them and became fast friends, uh, really good friends with Robbie Davidson. And he's the one that was putting on the Flat Earth International Conference in Raleigh. That was the first one. And he called me up, uh, you know, a few months later after I met him, he's like, so are you coming or what? And I said, well, I don't know. You know, I'd like to, but I haven't really thought about it. And he hung, hung up the phone. And right then I was like, yeah, like, what am I doing? Why wouldn't I go? This is one of the most important things in the world to me. So I I went and, but I called him up. I was like, look, I, I don't want to just go watch. Like I want to be a part, like put me on security, put me on, you know, whatever I can do to help. And so I went there and got to meet all the speakers and see how the deal was working. And I really got inspired to now like, okay, you have it on your heart. Now let's put it out there. Like let's put your opinion out there. And a lot of my stuff wasn't necessarily anything new. It was just wrapped up in a tiny little easy listen to package and started to get some response and started, you know, he invited me to speak at his next conference, which was in Edmonton, Alberta. And that's where I met my wife. And spoke at a couple conferences down in Alabama that a guy named, a pastor named Dean O'Dell put on. He's actually running for governor of Alabama now. But he married my wife and I, actually. Um, I've spoken at his conference a few times. So, yeah, I ended up speaking, um, you know, a bunch of places in the U.S., a few places in Canada. And found out that, hey, I I enjoy public speaking. I, I never really knew that about myself before. And... Yeah, it was just, it was a really great outlet, making the videos and, and writing the speeches and feeling like not only did I get a lot out of writing all that down and, and being able to organize my thoughts, because once you write something, it really helps you explain it the next time you're asked about it. But also, I was just getting a great response from really nice people. You know, there were the trolls out there, you know, telling me not to have babies and to drink bleach, but there were also just, you know, really amazing people that, you know, they all, they all responded differently. Like I would say something and it wouldn't touch anybody, but it would really, really help this person over here. And, and I really fell in love with that. And man, going to these places, meeting these people and getting to hear their story, you know, flat earthers love hearing other people came to flat earth and Christians really love hearing other people came to the Bible. And when you can combine the two, like I was able to do, man, it's just, it's just a win-win, and it was a lot of fun.
3: Yeah, sounds like an amazing uh, community and environment to be doing that in. And and from from the other point of view, conversely, when do you do you engage much with the, the trolls and the skeptics, and do you do the the debates and that whole circuit? Well,
2: yeah, I used to when my channel was really small and I only had a few people on there making stupid comments. But now, man, I just I don't have time to engage with it usually. Um the easiest way to get a hold of me is to message me on Instagram usually because I I look at all those messages. I don't look at all my comments anymore but I used to. But you know, I'll get a message from someone on Instagram and I can tell from the first message where it's going to go. And usually it's from a troll who, you know, doesn't have any doesn't have any appreciation for for what I do and isn't really interested in learning anything and so I'll I'll immediately brush them off. Now it's nice to have the book because if if someone is generally interested, they're going to they're going to look into it, and so the book is a great place to send people. But if someone's not in, is not you know they're not interested in watching a three minute video or reading a ninety page book, like you know they're not that interested in hearing truth, and so I'm not that interested in arguing with them.
3: No, that that's legitimate. I think that's a yeah good way to do it where you have. Uh, as opposed to you know spending however long arguing with someone trying to lay out uh, what you believe versus with them interrupting every few seconds have it organized in one place where you can come from a common Yeah
2: ground. and and so I went to a family camp out in Florida last when was it it doesn't matter went to this family camp out and it was kind of, it was for big families there's a lady who puts on a conference her name is Nancy Campbell. She has a ministry called Above Rubies, and her whole life has been about promoting big families. And I've got six children uh, between my wife and I. And, and so we go to this thing, and I wasn't planning on talking to anybody about Flat Earth, but somehow it got out that I'm a Flat Earther. And this is a community of homeschooling, truther, anti-vax type folks. And so it's flat earth is like just on the edge there's like a little bit of overlap where people are like wait okay so there's something i need to know here a lot of them were pretty hostile but the kids were super interested i was i felt like I, anytime i walked out i'd get stopped and cuz i had some nieces and nephews that were there and they said matt you got to come over because they're asking these questions and i know just come stand next to me and so i'd go stand <laughs> next to he, he's he's actually my brother-in-law but he's much younger he's like 13 and because my wife's a lot younger than me and I stand next to him and the kids just start, you know, asking questions And I give them my rules. I'm like, all right, you know, one question at a time, and you got to listen to the whole thing. And, and I see these people that I walking by that I know are like, you are just indoctrinating my children. Right. Um, I'm, I'm just answering their questions. I didn't, you know, anyway, so uh, engaging <laughs> in that fashion is, is fun and probably my favorite story about just, Getting sick and tired of trolls is from my buddy Dave Weiss, So I do the Flat Earth podcast with. Which, if you haven't listened to that, man, it's that's the most fun you can have on Flat Earth. And where
3: can we find that? Do what? Where
2: can we find that? The flat dot and then it's on all major Perfect. podcast platforms. And then um, there's a YouTube channel as well. But if you, so we were in, I forget which conference it was, maybe Denver. And there's a guy there named Danny Faulkner who works at Answers in Genesis, which is probably the biggest, most well-known Christian research organization out there. And they are not flat earthers. And Danny Faulkner has got a PhD in physics, uh, hates flat earth, right? But he's a Christian and he's a Bible believer. And man, he does some mental gymnastics around the the verses. But, and I actually mentioned him in my book, but uh, we (laughs) we had like an argument and then Dave who He's all, Dave doesn't go out in public if he doesn't have some kind of truth or shirt on, like Epstein didn't kill himself or something like that. And he's got all these, you know, <laughs> hot sauce bottles that that say flat Earth hot sauce. And he walks over to Danny Faulkner's table. Oh, that's great. He slams the hot sauce down. And he said, "How can the Earth be a ball if it's got flat Earth hot sauce?" <laughs> what a pitch! Yeah, <laughs>
1: what a pitch. <laughs> so you I got a- him there. I, I have a quick question for those those people that you're talking about. the I'd say like the non-secular type of uh, truthers or even flat earthers. Where, where would be like a good um, place? What, what part of the Bible would you recommend for them to, to start getting in, into that? To yeah. Connect the two kind of. A
2: good place to start is chapter four of my book. If you go to book.woke.town, you can buy it there. Um, it's only ten bucks. <laughs> I think it's only six bucks if you just do the PDF. And actually, if you figure out a way to message me, I'll just send you chapter four if you can find me on the internet somehow. But uh, there, man, there's just so much. Like the the entire Bible is a flat Earth book from from cover to cover. And if you just understand the model that we live on a flat Earth, set on pillars under a dome that's not moving, and that the sun and moon are moving and we're not, it's and you just start reading the Bible, you're going to start to see it. But and so let me just i'll give you an example there's two verses in the bible that people love to say are actually verses that support a ball and it's isaiah 40:22 where he talks about the circle of the earth right but but a ball is not a circle those are two different things okay a pizza is a circle it's also flat right and but isaiah in isaiah 22:18 uses the hebrew word for ball when he talks about something being tossed like a ball but when he talks about the earth he uses the word circle two different words You Google circle, you Google ball, you're going to see two different things, okay? You go to Job 26, 7, where he talks about the earth being hung on nothing. The earth hangs on nothing is what he says in the King James. Or the earth hangeth on nothing. And and that kind of sounds like, oh, that's like a ball floating in space. It's not hanging on anything. Well, earth in Hebrew means land, okay? And yes, the land is not hanging on anything. It's set on pillars and under a dome, just like it says later in Job 38. So Job talks about... Or actually, it's God's words, not Job talking about. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? And and so the earth is, has foundations. Second Peter three talks about how the earth was standing out of water and in water. An earth floating through space is not standing on anything. You've got you've got the the story of oh, I just went blank. I guess it's Joshua chasing the Amalekites down, and um, he prays to God to stop the sun in the sky so that he have more daylight so he can kill his enemies. Because if he knows if it gets to, if it's nighttime, they'll disperse and we'll be able to find them all. So God holds the sun and moon, by the way, in the sky for about a day. And what's significant about that is one, if the earth stopped spinning, right, everything would just be thrown and it would die. Okay. But what's significant about that is <laughs> God didn't just stop the earth. He stopped the moon also. And he actually says what towns they actually stopped over. But if he had just stopped the earth, the moon would have the moon would have kept going. The sun would have stopped, but the moon is not tied to the sun-earth relationship, right? He stopped both the sun and the moon, which is highly significant. And and that's just one of those stories where you're like, well, how does that work on a ball if God stopped the sun in the sky, right? It's It's tough to explain. Genesis talking about uh, the firmament separating the waters above and the waters below. What is that? The waters above? That's so strange. Some people say, well, it was an ice blanket that broke up at the flood, and that's that's how we had this flood. But but David in Psalm 148, I believe, talks about the waters above the firmament still being there, and that's, that's post-flood. Um, man, there's so many things in Job talking about, oh, the the sky being strong. It's like a molten looking glass. Um, man, and every time it talks about heaven, it's talking about heaven being up, the earth being down, hell being down. You know, there there is no there is no ball symmetry in that, and and someone can totally chalk every bit of that up to allegory or you know the uh, doctrine of accommodation. Like these were men writing during the times that they believed, but even Jesus, who according to John one, Colossians one, and Hebrews one, was the creator of all things, he was there at creation. Even Jesus in Matthew 24 talks about in the in the last days the sun will stop giving its light or the sun will be darkened the moon will stop giving its light and all the stars will fall from heaven. Well, the it says a few things about about Jesus in that statement. One, he doesn't think the moon reflects the light of the sun because he says it gives its own light, which I believe is provable and I'll mention that in a second if all the stars can fall from heaven and some of the stars are millions of times, the size of our sun, which is a million times the size of the earth. How, how are, how do events happen after that? Okay. And, and you don't have to wait around for billions of years for them to get here, you know, all, you know, cause they're supposed to be, you know, billions of light years away. And, and so it shows that Jesus kind of had this mindset too. He also talked to the uh, Pharisees in Luke 12, something like that. And, um, calls them hypocrites because he's saying like, you hypocrites, you understand, you understand the face of the sky and the face of the earth, but you don't understand the time in which you live. And he's saying, you understand how this place works, but you don't understand the urgency of the age in which you've been placed. So he's saying your cosmology is correct. And and that cosmology is a flat earth cosmology. And I mean, there's just, there's so many things. It's so hard to say, Hey, go here. This is a great flat earth chapter. Because there may be one verse in that in that whole book about it. There may be one, two, three verses in that book, and and just like with any doctrine of the Bible, where you're talking about predestination or the Trinity or oh the rapture or something like that, you can't go to just one verse and build a whole belief system on it. That's how you get cults. Um, but what you do is you take in the whole thing. And in my opinion, there's there's over two hundred verses. In the Bible, that talk about the nature of this creation. Over seventy times, it talks about the sun, moon, and stars moving, and not once it talks about the earth is moving. In fact, it says it's fixed and immovable. And you take all that, you take the stories in Joshua, you take the Genesis account, and you take the fact that when Jesus comes back, the whole world's going to see him. Well, how does that work on a ball? You talk about the devil took him up to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world. How does that work on a ball? And you take all that stuff and man, it just, it makes a nice little picture. It fits very nicely into the flat earth model. And in my opinion, there's not one verse that works with the ball model.
0: You also have the cool. Warner von Braun tombstone Psalms about the firmament show it, his handiwork.
2: That's insane. That's one of <laughs> my just, favorite uh... stories. So Warner von Braun, who by the way, was really good friends with Walt Disney, which I'll connect Warner von Braun on his tombstone says Psalm 19.1 that says the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament declares his handiwork. Okay. He's buddies with Walt Disney. Walt Disney is an honorary member of Operation Deep Freeze, which was the mission that where the military went deep into the Antarctic and I believe found where the firmament, don't smile, I can see you smiling, where the firmament comes down and meets. That's where the heaven and earth meet, in my opinion, in Antarctica. So Operation Deep Freeze, Walt Disney honorary member and he's an honorary member because disney studios filmed it you can still find the footage and the logo for disney is the castle with the firmament with a tower whose top (laughs) would reach into heaven
3: that's all i'm gonna say i love it the the tower of babel brought to you brought to you by
2: cinderella i love it warner (laughs) von braun also wrote a book about mars about a guy who was going to lead the charge to colonize it named elon (laughs) <laughs> ah! wait was that was that von braun that, wrote von, that? B- Warner von braun wrote that yeah by the way he's a nazi that was brought over in operation paperclip he treated yeah, yeah, yeah. shooting missiles at england for building rockets that go up into space
1: for us yeah that, so um, just to clarify i was smiling at that because we've done two episodes on uh antarctica and it's, i love it i love antarctic research it is such a phenomenon um I could
2: I could read that stuff all day. Even but. if even if the earth isn't flat, there's something weird going on in Antarctica.
0: But yes. our buddy Kevin, the guy who's dating the girl from Michigan now, uh, tall guy with red hair, I don't know if you remember him when he was at the thing. He uh, he got into flat earth because he started spiraling about Antarctica. Gotcha. Um, because he just started looking up Antarctica facts that are like mainstream facts that are absolutely preposterous. And he just started that. That's the tr- that was his trigger. But the A- Antarctica episodes are are pretty good. We actually have it canon that uh, Azazel is buried under the Temple of the One, the giant pyramid structure out in Antarctica that they always have yeah, because right. <laughs> he was. Bound hand and foot in the desert, Doodael, under jagged rocks. So we can't. We that's canon for the show now. Is that that's where Zazel's buried? Yeah. Yes. That's cool. Which is funny because he literally could be. If you if you take like Enoch as canon, <laughs> like the Ethiopians, he literally could be buried in
2: Africa. Yeah. Like, I've got a buddy right now doing an illustrated version of Enoch, and I'm super pumped about it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah.
0: That would it's be just, amazing, actually. That's a great idea. He's gonna have to shill that on the show. I would love that. I'll
2: I'll make sure it gets on there. <laughs> the
0: book of Please. Enoch animated would be my favorite anime. Yeah, and he no, he's no and his his drawing
2: style, <laughs> it's kind of like a comic book style. Like it'll 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 be a cool little cool little book, I think.
3: Okay, I'm I'm really excited. Is this is he just producing it independently or is he crowdfunding no, it? No, he's worse, he's or? just gonna
2: do it like I did on Amazon. So he's he's drawn all the pictures and then you know the Obviously, the the book is public domain. I think he's just going to add some a little bit of commentary, but mostly his contribution will be the illustrations.
0: I have a I have a question that's bothering the shit out of me that I have to ask you, Matt. Yeah, I know you're you're probably way too wholesome to shit talk, but I just <laughs> I'm so confused on this. When I first started looking into flat Earth, the guy that drove me insane to hear talk was Mark Sargent, and you started off. Doing a podcast with him, right? Yeah, yeah. What is he? What is his deal? Is he like, he seems like a psyop to make people not look into Flat Earth to me. So, or is he just like (laughs) autistic and weird? Like, what's his deal? Sorry.
2: Okay. I'll caveat with Mark Sargent as one of my dear friends. But, yes, I, I understand, and I think he would even understand your comments about potentially driving some people away from flat earth. And I think he's similar to me in that there's some things that I think are unprovable. So I may not have an interest in finding out a good explanation for them. Unfortunately with Mark, he has a much bigger audience when he does something like that. Now, to me, Mark Sargent other than probably Dave Weiss at this point, but there was even a point where Dave Weiss would say this, and Dave Weiss would probably still say it, that Mark Sargent has probably done more for Flat Earth, bringing people to Flat Earth, probably a thousand to one for people that he's driven away. Um, I know that his Flat Earth clues were one of the first things that I watched after that that initial video that I saw. And, I mean, I've been to Mark Sargent's house, I've... I spent uh, three or four days with him at an Airbnb in Calgary. I I really got to know the guy. He is just a normal dude who came across Flat Earth like everybody else, and he was one of the first ones to really put a well-done series of videos together. He loves Flat Earth. He loves the community, and he's sold out. Like that's that's all he. I don't know if it's still all he does because I haven't 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 you know gotten in touch with him probably in a year, but. Um, I know that he basically quit his job because he thought it was important enough to spread and because he's kind of, you know, it's kind of like a cycle because he's one of the most well-known guys and, and doesn't have a job and with a, you know, wide open schedule, he got a lot of interviews and, but he doesn't believe it's, he doesn't do interviews the way I would do interviews. And he, um, he doesn't necessarily believe the same things that I believe. Mm-hmm. And so from that point, I'm like, it's like when you got a politician in who, you know, doesn't necessarily believe what you would believe and you'd want someone a little bit better, but maybe he's the best you could do right then. Not that I'm saying Mark Sargent is the best is only, you know, we're settling for Mark Sargent. I think, yeah. I think the good, fully outweighs the bad, but yeah, there, there's been some times where I'm like, Ugh, why did you say that? You know? And <laughs> and maybe vice versa with me for him. So
0: okay, so he's genuine though. He's very genuine. I believe. That's what I, was like, I believe
2: he's a hundred percent genuine.
0: Okay, cool. Because I'm like, he, I sometimes like you look like you're walking into it to make Flatter look bad. Like that. Those are the moments where I'm like, what are you do- doing? Like that would drive me crazy. But okay, that's what I wanted to know. I want to know he's it's like a genuine dude that's just really into it and probably uses different social tactics than i would yeah if you can
2: picture a guy who probably knows more about movies than anyone else i know he loves the idea of flat earth getting out there whatever the cost is even if it's bad publicity he thinks it's awesome he thinks if you know flat earth was a stock everything every time it gets mentioned the stock goes up it doesn't matter whether it's good bad or what so um and he's he's sold out for it in my opinion
0: okay that's that makes sense. He still, he just thinks that like any press is good press. you know,
2: okay. Aaron, you're just you're
3: just the one in one thousand who is driven away. <laughs> you are the problem.
0: He was like one of the people like when I first was doing the moon landing stuff where I'm like, I, no, I'm not like that guy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of flat earthers where I'm thinking, no, I'm not like that guy. And oh, for sure. <laughs> but, I mean, but it's Aaron still fun to lot. look into. <laughs>
3: Uh, Matt, do you have a quick explanation for the moon
2: giving its own light? Yeah, so what I think, yeah, so going back to what Jesus said about the moon giving off its own light, if, I believe this is provable, I believe the moon gives off cold light while the sun gives off warm light, and it's possible to uh, go out and measure this. So if you're outside during the day and the sun's out, it's really hot, summertime, if you go in the shade, you actually cool off, you know, you get out of that sunlight, well, it's the opposite at night. If you're, if the moon is out and it's it's lit enough and there's no clouds where you can actually see shadows, you can do the same thing. You're in the moonlight. You go in the shadow. You don't get colder. You get warmer. And you can take a laser thermometer, point it on the ground, and see the differences. And there's there's videos all out there about this. It's it's really a weird phenomenon. But if the moon is giving off cold light, provably cold light then it's not reflecting the warm light of the sun, in my opinion. So how does that work? I don't know. Um, I'm not even sure really where the moon is. You know, we talked about the sun earlier being dependent on the position of the observer. And the moon to me is a little bit different. It, it just doesn't, doesn't look like the sun to me. You know, when the sun is out and there's just enough clouds in the sky where you can look at it, and it's but it's way up in the sky... It just looks like a white ball, you know, a really bright, white, perfectly shaped ball or circle or whatever. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if the sun's flat or for or, or what, but it's, you know, we kind of talked about it being just a focal image. and I don't know if that focal image is 3D or flat, but um, just to clarify. Yeah, the the moon, I've heard theories that, you know, the moon is potentially over the North Pole. And it's like a inverted crater. You know, if you've got the the dome of the earth, well, right in the center and top of that dome is uh, an inverted crater that that is the moon and that somehow light is that moon is projected up into its position, like the bat signal. You know, I've I've heard different things like that, but honestly, I don't know. You know, there's a lot of there's that video that popped up recently about the guy talking about how he thinks the moon is plasma, and this was pre moon landing, and he thought, yeah, you know that's that's a compelling video. I don't know what that means though. I don't know. Okay, the moon's plasma, so what's the explanation for it giving off light? I, I don't know. But I, I yeah, will the video's say, in like
0: sixty eight. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember the scientist's name, but he's like he's like they're never gonna land on the moon. It's not right, physical. right,
2: <laughs> right. So. To me, um, I, I lost my train of thought, but, you know, I, I think that between the moon and the sun, it both are dependent on the observer, and, and they're doing circles over our head, but as far as, you know, speculating on on how that works, man, it's tough.
3: No, that, that's interesting, and I, I uh, looked into it a little bit. Um, Aaron linked a video of yours earlier this week where you talk about that, and There are a couple explanations that I I think.
2: Don't get me wrong. There are there are explanations, and and I'm just saying I'm I'm choosing I'm choosing to interpret it from the other side. Oh yeah,
3: yeah. And I I don't think it's a certain thing though, or something that's been looked into enough. So that's it's it's interesting, and it's it's a good thing to talk about. Uh, Bob, what were you going to say?
1: I was going to say we've been talking a lot about the uh, the the moon and the sun, but what's your opinion on Mars?
0: Right. <laughs> so we do
1: a We normally do a science says segment
0: but, on the show.
2: And really we like don't. to make
0: fun of scientists a lot on this <laughs> because it's all such horse shit.
2: Nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, science says that it's a planet, you know, orbiting the sun between us and what are the asteroid belt? Or, or do we go through the asteroid the belt
3: for Jupiter? Jupiter, asteroid belt.
2: Okay. Yeah. So I think, I think Mars is you know, it's considered one of the planets. Um, the definition of planet is wandering star. So it's a star that doesn't necessarily rotate in the same progression that the other stars do or precession is probably a better word. And it's reddish and it looks like it might have phases, um, similar to similar to Venus. But, I, I don't believe it's a place we can take a rocket ship and go land on. I think, I think Mars, you know, the stuff we're used to seeing is somewhere up in Canada. Um, NASA's got a place up there where they drive rovers around and, you know, it looks, looks a lot like the way I would picture Mars look like without the red filter, you know, pulled over the, pulled over the photo. <laughs> but I, th- I think it's a light in the sky and I think all the planets are, are lights in the sky and, Beyond that, I, I don't know, I don't know what else I could tell you other than the way the planets light up, you know, I'll give you an example. There's some high resolution pictures of Saturn where you can see basically the Terminator line or termination line of where the sun is stopping, you know, but if you, if you look at a picture of what the sun would look like from Saturn, it hardly looks different than the other planet, I mean the other stars in the sky. It's so small, way out there. Yet it's apparently powerful enough to be the only thing that can light Saturn up, because the backside of Saturn looks totally dark, according to what NASA says. Well, why is it totally dark if we've got billions of suns on the other side shining light from that direction, which has nothing stopping it? And all those stars are not much smaller than the way the sun appears in the sky from Saturn. So that
0: I was gonna say that's one thing that like the amount of size difference when you start getting away like the perspective of how how small something actually is like like even the space station is supposed to be two hundred hundred between one hundred seventy and two hundred twenty miles away at all times or something like that or maybe it's two twenty and two seventy I forget the exact right thing but it's not much bigger than a seven forty seven right even with lights on it. You absolutely would not see it, like they claim. You can just see it.
2: Well, yeah. Well, there,
0: if by looking up, and you can't, you would not be able to at that size at all. You can barely see a seven forty seven at five miles.
2: It must be painted with the most reflective paint I've, in the history of the world. Because when you there's some rationalization when you <laughs> when you watch a plane in the sky and that sun and it catches your eye because the sun's reflecting off of it, so you look up and you're like, oh, there's a plane, and the sun's bouncing off it. That reflection lasts for, I don't know, second and a half, two seconds. Well, apparently, the International Space Station can reflect the sun from the horizon all the way up to about, I don't know, definitely past 90 degrees. And and by the way, you know, if, if the Earth was the size of a beach ball, the ISS is like a half inch off, off the surface. And so, you know, it's the sun being able to shine light between the Earth And the ISS, I don't even know if that should be possible because there's all kinds of atmosphere in between there. And I don't it's I think there's a lot of stuff that could be looked into, uh, in my opinion. There's a lot
0: of things with how they when they say distances based on the side, like that things that they say you can see that you just you wouldn't be able to. You can zoom out uh, on Google Maps, go to zoom in on a seven forty seven. And zoom out to like 10 miles or 20 miles.
2: That's a great point.
0: You would not, you can't even see the airport, let alone one 747. And now the ISS is 10 times farther than that. And they say you can just, they're like, yeah, yeah, that's the ISS. If you just see it, it's like, no, that's a plane flying in the pattern they say the ISS is. I don't know. It's definitely not a 747 that's 200 miles up. I know that's what it's not. That's a great point. That's retarded. That's a great point.
3: So so there's one perspective on Mars and other heavenly bodies and things yeah, in the sky. this so is why the, you're what, wrong, what's the, most, what's the most recent scientific discovery <laughs> from the real scientists?
1: <laughs> the real yeah. science, thanks to NASA, has discovered uh, methane, and they think it's because of aliens on Mars. Yeah, and they're calling it, it is. Unfortunately, but the only
3: source of methane. They're
1: not calling it a fart; they're calling it a burp for some reason. I think they're just trying to be um, polite. <laughs> but are,
3: are cow burps bur- killing the planet next? Is that <laughs> should I should I be concerned about that?
1: Wow. Yes, definitely.
0: Everything contributes to climate change. They, uh, I, my favorite part is they claim that they detected this from their remote control car on Mars. That's totally real. They detected. Like one billionth of a particle of methane from 36 miles away, like a few dozen miles away. That's wait, wait. How, how much
3: is, is this one of the like the hydroxide on the moon story? Is again,
2: yes, I think it would be hilarious if every time NASA talked about the rover, they also backed it up with which is totally real. <laughs>
0: <laughs> every time. they should do that. <laughs> But, yeah, that was the other story that NASA had that drove us insane that was so funny. It was uh they discovered 12 ounces of liquid on the moon from a quarter million miles away. <laughs> I'm like, okay. All right. Okay, guys. I'm My really you can't bags, zoom in guys. on the flag, but you uh, definitely found a, a Coke can worth of uh, water.
2: My favorite example of amazing numbers, other than the ones that I think support the Bible, are when NASA said that they discovered gravity waves. Okay. And the way they did this was they were monitoring two black holes that were orbiting each other a billion light years away. Okay. Now, to put that into perspective, the sun is eight light minutes away. So multiply that times 65,000 to get to a light year, and then multiply it times a billion to get to a billion light years, and then turn out the lights because they're black holes. Okay. NASA created in the Arizona or New Mexico desert, this huge array that was, that wanted to measure how much space time was rippling as these black holes orbited each other a billion light years away. Right. They talk about how even the moon gives off gravity waves, but they didn't detect it from the moon. They detected it from two black holes, a billion light years away at this, I think it was called LIGA was the acronym at this array in the desert. And they said that the amount that they measured space time rippling was less than the diameter of the nucleus of an atom. And that's how they know gravity waves exist.
0: Yeah. Actually, you know what's funny is somebody uh, randomly on TikTok took that clip of you making fun of that and shared that <laughs> on TikTok somewhere, And it made me laugh so hard. I found that today. Yeah, Aaron, I just Aaron definitely did that. <laughs> Bob, you know how... You know... You know how terrible I am with doing any app, using any app. I even yeah. that's how much of a boomer I said doing an app. That's how I explained using it. I can't, I can't clip anything. I'm terrible at it. Oh. Uh yeah, I was, saw that video today. It made me laugh so hard. The scientist the smugness on his face when he's explaining. Um. Even he even adds a little like British to his accent just to be yeah, a Yeah, they an all, extra they effect. all add
2: the British. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah, they're all, they're all
3: at oxford you know Where the r- real science happens
1: which is totally real not mit or <laughs> yes. caltech those are pretenders
3: hey hey just I'm, I'm gonna start saying matt's book which is totally a good read <laughs> 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 yeah
0: yeah how does that feel <laughs> thank you by the way for coming on the show this was really fun yeah
2: absolutely it was a blast
3: any any final comments or anything you'd, you'd like to close out with <laughs>
2: No, just if you, you know what? I actually hate it when people say no and then start talking. Like it's, I hate hearing people do it. Sorry. So yes, I would like to (laughs) finally say something if you guys would let me. (laughs) Um, If you are listening to this and you think Flat Earth is the stupidest thing you've ever heard, you have got to give it a chance and you've got to get past the gatekeepers. you got to get past the YouTubes and you got to get past the Googles and the Facebooks they don't want you to find the truth because the truth like the bible says will set you free and it has set me free because because i came into flat earth i came into all these other conspiracies i i didn't vaccinate my children because of flat earth i i feel like my i've saved my children's lives by i have increased the quality of my children's lives by by not doing that and i'm sorry if i said the v word and i'm gonna get you guys kicked off a platform but Um, flat earth is important. I met my wife there. There's two new humans in the world. There's an 18 month old and a four month old in the world because I met my wife at a flat earth conference. And so I don't care if you think it's stupid or not, but it's not. And if you're interested, I put a lot of effort into a 90 page book that I couldn't even get my name on the spine of that is very easy to read. (laughs) It's got a few pictures in it even, and the words are big. So it's, if, if I can write it, you can read it. So Please check it out. Hallelujah. Go to, yeah, go to book. I'm looking at like a 60-page book right Yo! here that has
3: a name on a spine. Like, you just need to go go to a printer. They can square-bound, like, smaller I books. I could Come fit on, man. it on
2: there. Amazon said no. Like, I did my own cover art. I was like, look, it fits perfect. But, I don't know. And my name is short. Like, it's only four. So salty. I right, right. <laughs> so I wrote this book, which is totally real. And it, you know... It's flat earth to me. It's not an all-encompassing masterpiece, but it's why I believe the earth is flat. It's why I believe the Bible, and it's why I believe it's important. So check it out. Go to book.woke.town and pick one up or check me out on Instagram at WokeTown. I don't know how much longer I'll be WokeTown since that word has been so hijacked. I'll have to come up with something new, but I don't know. Google Matt Long Flat Earth, and you'll find me. So
3: yeah, All the links will be down in the the show notes. What
2: last...
0: Little thought on that, but uh, one, you're not going to get us kicked off for saying no to the vaccine. We've dedicated about 30% of our show to okay. saying how much bullshit that is, and we even did an episode on uh, like uh, really inquiring about the, how those Holocaust numbers <laughs> how accurate they are accurate. So well, Owen, that gets you kicked know, off a Owen little Benjamin faster. thinks
2: it was nine gay guys in a rollerblading accident,
0: absolutely. Yeah, they all there,
2: um, Dude, to and Uncle then Grazer. the second
0: thing. We just talked about this at, like uh, when I got back from the uh, Flat Earth meetup, because I, ta- I I did talk about this for a second, but and you touched on it just now. It's objectively, even if we end up being completely wrong, let's just say, hypothetically, it really is a spinny ball in outer space. It, it is still objectively a much healthier way to live. Every single person there doesn't fall for this obvious kindergarten propaganda anymore. Uh, people that are drawn to Flat Earth end up finding their way to Christianity like you talked about. And one of the things when you're actually Christian, you really do end up believing that uh, every single person has, like, is like special and unique and has a soul and is like under the domain of God. And so all the things that these people are worried about today, like oh, my my racism and my uh, homophobia, it's like Flat Earthers aren't any of those things. They think that you are a special, like, ch- literal child of God. And they, they're they the nicest people ever. Except for, you know, a c- occasionally a schizophrenic spiral about what the government's going to do and, like, kill everybody. You know, you get a couple of those guys. But everybody has their, uh, you know, a couple broken eggs in the <laughs> carton. But uh, it wait, wait, really sorry, is. Bob. What's,
3: how's, how's your video laid out? Because for me, you were pointing at Matt. Oh,
0: I'm pointing at myself.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. I
0: thought you were trying to point at Aaron. So yeah, it really is. uh, I just think it's a great way to go about thinking about things. Even if you end up wrong, who cares if you're wrong? We're wrong all the time. Everybody's wrong all the time about everything. So like get over yourself, let go, shed that ego and actually look into it because um, just that line of thinking of like looking into it yourself and really trying to find answers to things is a healthier way to go about things. And and don't get too caught in the rabbit hole. Just like come up, take a breath, have a bunch of kids, um, raise them right, you know, all that thing. And that flat earth really helps you lead to that area, uh, as stupid as that sounds.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. And I I don't want your listeners to think that I'm saying, hey, if you don't think the way I think, you're you're not experiencing God, because I, I think that's I think that's inaccurate. Six years ago. I could have looked up at the stars and imagined the enormous, ever-expanding universe and thought God was amazing for creating all that. I still think God's amazing. I just think he created it differently. And I've, I've actually, not only have I spiritually gotten closer to God, but I feel like I am literally, physically closer to God because he is just right above us. He's right there. He cares about our lives. We're valuable to him. This place is obviously created, so there's obviously... A creator. So great pitch, Aaron. I fully agree with you.
1: How wholesome. I love it.
2: <laughs> All right. I think that's a perfect
0: ending.
1: <laughs> it's
3: not worth raising more than two kids on a globe Earth. <laughs> 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 Thank you, everyone. Yeah. Thanks for making the time, Matt. And that yeah. was a lot of fun. Thanks, guys.
1: Whatever. Fuck this shit. I have a PlayStation raincoat. You've got mail. What the fuck?